0: 108th edition of the Guna podcast, recorded on the Monday evening between Arsenal completing completing their 2011 12 campaign with victory at Hawthorns to secure third place. Thanks to our sponsors, goonashirts.com, the website for all your coolest Arsenal t shirts. I'm your host, David Udo, and still with me on the panel from our previous recordings this evening are Steve Ashford, Mark Ollinson, Joe Broadfoot, uh, Broadfoot, and Mike Francis. So, gents, looking at that sheet of paper in front of you, uh, as we're doing on our third po- podcast of the month at the moment, have been doing so for the last three months or so, we have a recollection of all things Arsenal. It could be the end of March, could be the end of April. This time, it's your last day game since long before the Goonah began. And looking, looking at the list, Steve, is, is there anything that sort of jumps out at you as a big day?
1: My God, look at, looking at this list, probably about a quarter of them do. <laughs> which, which just goes to show you how successful we've been over the last 25, 30 years or so um, well obviously the, the standout one is the, is the 2-0 win at Anfield in 89 uh, but we all know about that so let's not concentrate so on that Michael's one St Michael's Day the, the, the one that really stands out is the 5-1 against Southampton in 1992 which was Ian Wright's um, record-breaking day when he took, overtook Lineker yeah, another final day of the season when we got one over on Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember rightly, Lineker was two or three goals ahead of yeah. Ian Wright going into the game. Mm. All the Spurs fans would say, Lineker's going to get the golden boot. It was the last day of the North Bank before it got knocked down. Absolutely. There was nothing on the game apart from that, although I think we were, we were playing to finish in the top five or whatever. Um, okay, we, 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 were, we were 1-0 down, and we ended up winning 5-1. I think four of the goals, or maybe even all five, went in the North Bank end on the historic last day and Wright got a hat-trick, I think, in the last 10 minutes to overtake Lineker and get the golden boot. It was <laughs> sunny, it was brilliant. We all stood on the North Bank. and
2: I remember that, wasn't it? It was, was a great that? day.
1: Th- that one stands out for me.
0: Mike, is, is there anything jumping out at you as a, as a brilliant last day of the season?
3: Uh, so many, as, as Steve says. You know, there's, uh, oh God, you know, I feel unfair to pick one over everyone mm. else. Um, I'll, go, I'll go a bit of a random one and say, Norwich away, 1990. Um, two we or draw. Two two draw. Yeah, we went. We went there. We were we were fourth, I think. And if I remember rightly, Spurs were third and playing Southampton. I think on the same day at Whitehall Lane. And we had to win, and they had to drop points. And uh, no, actually, we were a point behind them going into it. I think we had a better goal difference. Anyway, we were two, we were two one up. I think Rocky scored one of the goals and. Uh, um, and, and But, you know, in, in typical Arsenal way, in typical current Arsenal way, we <laughs> managed to concede a late goal, a late equaliser and um, got held 2-2, um, which we didn't think was enough. And then, as in one of those great last day moments, this rumour spread round the ground that, that Southampton had got a last minute winner at White Hart Lane and we were going to finish third. And everyone went mental. And we, we'd beaten Spurs, you know, and all the songs came out about, you know, North London is red and all that sort of stuff. And it was great. And uh, we stayed at the ground probably 20 minutes after the final whistle cheering and then we came out of the ground and I remember seeing one bloke on the tears going, don't believe it! He was virtually in tears sitting on the sand. I was like, what's up with you? And he's going, Spurs won. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell. The days <laughs> before smartphones. <okay>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those great moments.
4: Uh,
0: um, Mark, looking at this, are there any of the, uh, the games um, jumping out at you?
4: Um, for a different reason, I'll save some of the better ones for a little bit later on. But 1993, Tottenham home, 3-1 defeat. I remember that very clearly. Oh, we played the reserves. That we game, did, indeed. It was before the cup final, Paul Dickoff scored our consolation <laughs> goal. Fuck and yeah. we literally played, an, I think Graham made 10 changes, even 11 changes. Entirely different team. Was that Alan Miller in goal? Alan Miller in goal. Dickhoff scored, I think we were 2-1 down and Dickoff got, we his only goals were Arsenal. But I remember, you know, it was even so, even though Spurs beat us, the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. We sung the entire match. One of those games where we didn't really care that actually Spurs beat us. The atmosphere was just a crazy, crazy time. I think it was a Monday night game or something like that, back in the days before yeah. Monday night games. Yeah. And um, but funny enough, even though we got tonked by Spurs, I really enjoyed that match, watching what I thought would be the future of Arthur before my eyes. to off, <laughs> yeah. Mark. I've seen your Mark. I was going to say both. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So for some reason, I can remember that game like it was yesterday, and then I remember a really lovely night, gorgeous weather. Wall, yeah, yeah. And it's the
3: last time they beat us at home for an awful long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until last year. Yeah. yeah it was until, until last year. Nineteen yeah. years yeah. it was. Uh, and, uh, well, we I'm, always had to point out that Aaron, like, that one doesn't even yeah. count. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. it's actually longer. Yeah.
0: Uh, Joe, you're you're not
3: a last game season lover, but is there anything
0: on here that's that's making you smile or making you think of this, that, or the other? Well,
2: it's only the obvious one, the Liverpool, the Liverpool away win two 0 I mean, I was in Indonesia at the time, so we didn't have the luxury of being able to watch the game at that time. You know, it's not like nowadays. And um, but I was studying all these all these you know soccer magazines, looking at the tactics and what George Graham was going to do, and then and then after the event, I was studying. How did he do it? I'm still not too sure. But, but, you know, I mean, it was just... It looked, on paper, it looked like he just, just completely outwitted Liverpool. I mean, that was an absolutely impossible result. And there's, there's no one in this world... I mean, I don't know what, you know, from a gambler's point of view, what the odds were of Arsenal winning up there 2-0... I mean, it was, it was just unthinkable at the time. Liverpool used to win everything. I mean, if you had, like, you know... You, had have got a clutch race, you haven't got a prayer not.
0: arsenal, was not. the headline uh, on the mirror that morning.
2: I mean, there was just absolutely no chance. I mean, I, I thought, well, you know, I'll pick up the paper and just see, see how many we lost by. We probably, we might even win 1-0 if we're lucky. But there's no way in this world we're going to win 2-0. So I just picked up the paper the following day... And, just couldn't believe it and I think it was like the Herald you know one of them sort of American papers where all they give is a scoreline and nothing else
1: do you feel a bit cheated that yeah the, I feel very no, cheated no 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 a bit cheated that. cheated that yesterday's game against Man City and QPR it's saying that it's the greatest end of season ever Oh, nothing could ever top this. Mm. This was the best end of season ever. Short memories, guys. Yeah. No, because no, in 89... Post-Sky memories. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. 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 Th-
0: there was nothing before 99, yeah. so it never happened. Yeah. Because
1: in 89, I would still say that, that was better than, than well, Man City of course, the yeah, yeah, but, but It was yeah.
2: only mathematical. Our chance of yeah. winning
4: that was mathematical yeah. and no one gave us a brand, literally. I just sums up, though, it was a cup final. It was a top two plan, which made it totally different. Mm. That relied on other games. Man you were playing a different match. It was, a lit- it was the simple fact it was 1st, 1st 2nd and we beat that team in the... Um, Going into that uh, game,
3: we had a goal difference, our goal difference was 4 worse. That's what people sometimes forget, you know. It was goal goal average in those days though, wasn't it? It was goal We won it on goal scored. It was goal difference. We finished on
4: equal goal difference, we won it it. on goal scored. Right.
0: Incidentally, if Man City had only beaten Man United 2-1 rather than 6-1 in the first replay, going into yesterday's game, um, uh, no, at the end of it, the end of it actually um, Their goals for and goals against Would have been exactly the same As each other team And Man City would have won the league Purely because they had a better record Winning the double over Man United in the league Would have been the first time that happened in the world. Full of yeah. fascinating <laughs> stats <circumstances. laughs> Seriously I'm not making
1: it was, up I'm not making out. up I wonder if anyone's considered Yesterday Man City QPR That they scored two goals in injury time which happened to be when news would have filtered through that Bolton didn't beat Stoke yeah. and that QPR were therefore safe.
3: Yeah. Well, so once like QPR one knew, of, knew they were safe, oh, it doesn't matter now. It was one of the pitches that where, yeah. where, the, yeah. where the news came through that Stoke had equalised, and it was probably about five minutes yeah. to go, and apparently the whole QPR bench were off their feet jumping around. And yeah. you, do, you do go. Yeah. Over, I wonder where that got to the play. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might have distracted them. Maybe. In yeah. fairness, yeah. the referee, Colin Bell, at Man
0: City yesterday was absolutely <laughs> fine. Oh, um, yeah. Just going through our last games, uh, I mean, I've, I've just had a quick look at some of them. Uh, our, our list of Arsenal last games uh, of the season. I've got a little bit of trivia for a few of them. A few random bits of trivia, which I remember anyway. Please feel free to shout out if you know the answer. 1991, Last game of the season, we beat Coventry 6-1. Who scored the Arsenal hat-trick? And there's Limbaugh. So, seriously, put your hand up. In Mike was ready to shout that. In Mizuno boots. Mizuno yeah. 3. We've all, we've all How got the
4: trumps that? On over that one. Yeah. How brilliant is that? It was uh, in the Champions video. Yeah. Yeah. It he held, it held up his boot and went, Mizuno, Mizuno. 3. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh,
0: 1996, we beat Bolton. In the last game of season 2-1 at home.
3: Oh, remember what, that. What Mr Francis, what, what happened and who scored the winning goal? Ooh, um, okay, we were 1-0 down with about 10 minutes to play. Bruce mm-hmm. Rio here It was indeed. Um, and uh, David Platt, I think, got the equaliser. Got the first goal. And uh, God himself mm-hmm. rose and do you know what do you and, ever watch uh, that binding one in absolutely. the lock, three minutes to go do you ever watch which that qualifies DVD? for Europe it's the yeah. correct answer yeah. you always got when you watch that
1: game on DVD when that winning goal goes in when Burcamp scores it very late in the game that to this day is the most wild I've ever seen the clock end go okay. and that, that includes championship winning goals up there that involves all the 97, 98, 2004 2002 goals when Burcamp hit the net that night you watch the clock end yeah. they go absolutely loopy and that's what, qualifying for the UEFA Cup meant to us yeah. all those years and ago. And it was so
4: worth it because didn't brush looking like and then knock, knock us out in the um, floor. Yeah, you, the floor yeah, yeah. 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 Who scored the Arsenal goal in that game? Stefan Mount. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not making up. I'm not making
0: up. <laughs> I need to get a girlfriend. I need to get a goal. 1997, last game of the season we lost. I went,
1: I went. I went. You last went, day, you went day day where? Baseball ground. It's the
0: correct
2: answer. Last,
1: last game at the baseball ground, that was. Also won one, one, won. scored the goals. Oh, you you got me there. Oh, Burkamp. <laughs> you got me there. Burkamp, um, Brighton and Elka. Oh, Burkamp, Ryan and Elka. Also, oh, 2000 <laughs> away, <laughs> 2000 <laughs> 2001, <laughs> Southampton away, 3-2 defeat, last game at the Dell. Oh, Christ, great Last game at the Dell, 2001. Great day that 2000, was, 2000, not lost. great day though. Matthew De hit a Thunderbolt to, to score the winner. Really? Yeah. 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 I'm going yeah. have to watch that one and get
0: in. 2002 we beat Everton 4-3 in the last game of the season winning the double um, who did Arsenal bring on as a substitute to make his 10th appearance and qualify for Morty a medal <laughs> no. So, no it wasn't mine in that game Richard Wright Oh no, the other goalkeeper, Stuart Taylor. Taylor, who in the 12th year of his career has only played 60 professional matches. That's sadly.
3: Did we not bring on Keogh in that? that we should have as signed well. for MK uh, No, sure. it was 2004. Was
0: that 2004, was it all
3: right? And
0: 2007, Arsenal drew nil-nil away at Portsmouth. Who was the Arsenal goalkeeper?
3: It's so nice. oh. Oh. Oh,
0: oh! It's, it's, it's somebody mine. making his debut. Remy Chabot. No, it wasn't Chesney making his debut. Fabianski. No, it wasn't Fabianski. It wasn't Al Munia making his debut. Remy Shaban. It wasn't Remy Shaban making no, his debut. No. Oh, I'm going to love this one. Mark, Pooh. <laughs> Mark Pooh, <laughs> Pooh. Mark Pooh is the correct answer. Mark Pooh <laughs> made Pooh. his debut. He's only, she only a parent. Uh, yeah, he it was. He's only a
2: parent. Absolutely. I was, <laughs> great
1: yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was <laughs> a guest <laughs> of the Portsmouth Directors that day. Really? Oh, I should really? have known that. Oh. Yeah. I'm
0: glad they had a free bar, evidently.
1: Their keeper, who... Jack lot. No, the big tall one, and now plays for Bristol City. What's his name? Play the James. James. He was a golf pompy that day, played a blinder, and got man of the match. and I got my picture with him in the director's box. back to miss the penalty? Yeah, that's what? right. oh, oh right. Yeah. the, the beast, the, the, the penalty. Well, James that.
3: saved it.
0: Feed the beast, and he will look the a bad enough to not score. <laughs> 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 what
4: was it like in the ports of the director's box? Was it get treated well there? No, wooden bench. Wooden, it? bench.
1: It? wooden bench with a couple of little wooden rails on the side of it to distinguish it from the rest of the end, the rest of the, the, rest of the, the terrace that we yeah. were on. Um, tiny little director's box area. Um, Would you which is the leave? Fred Dynage of all Would you, the people in the world? I don't think Fred Dynage was there. My, oh, okay. my, my son in law was actually working for the club at the time, oh, okay. which is why I was there. And I turned up without a tie in this ramshackle old place at, at Fratton Park. And it's the only director's box or director's area I've ever been in it before or since. Where they came up and said they bought a tie on a plate, a silver <laughs> plate, but not wearing a tie. I had a suit on, but not a tie. And they brought this tie up on a silver plate and said, would sir like to put the tie on? And <laughs> I had to put the tie on. Yeah. Was it blue Pumply. tie? It was a blue tie, with a little crescent and moon on it. How
0: dare they? Um, yeah. Guys, moving moving, side, <laughs> moving sideways completely, this is something we have the opportunity to do at every set of podcasts. We never get round to do it for all kinds of content. But we get a lot of guys email us all the time. One person clapping on their own, always rather embarrassing. Especially after sex, I find. Um, by they, they sent us, us, uh, uh, us an email at gudapodcast.gmail.com, as you can too, listeners. And we've got one here from Chris Hyland. Uh, I'm going to read it out. Anyone who's got any kind of reaction at the end of it, I'll be very, very interested to hear it. So, the email from Chris. Hi, guys. I felt I had to email about the conspiracy of Ju Young Park being a commercial signing and therefore only coming on in the big games. I love a good conspiracy myself. When it comes to the Man United game, we didn't have any other strikers and we were going for the win. So Park had to come on. Jovino and Chima were in Africa and Thierry Henry was injured, guttingly. So I don't accept the conspiracy for this one game anyhow. However, to add fuel to the conspiracy, we need to raise funds in any way possible now with UEFA's FFP rules coming in, so we have to accept these kind of strategical signings. As soon as China have a half-decent player, imagine our race to sign him. Keep up the good work, la-dee-da-dee-da, la dee da all good friends, and jolly good company. Thoughts on that? Mike?
3: Yeah, a,
0: lot of take a <laughs> <laughs> the, the Ju Young Park signing. Bearing in mind, Wenger must point out to the board which players he wants to buy. He gets this Ju Young Park on request. At the last minute, because Lille were about to sign in to replace Jovino, they must love us for taking both fucking mm. players, I tell you. Um, Wenger's asked for Ju Young Park. He gets him, turns up, and he's about as much use as I, tits on an I really
2: ball. want to say... I heard from David Dean himself, not talking directly to me, but to Sky Sports News. He <laughs> said, he said, he said that Arsene Wenger does his research. Well, as somebody rightly pointed out a little earlier before we started the podcast, well, did he do his research on Park? And I have to say, not that particular Park, because this particular Park had uh, military service. It oh, was going park, to go on. Pretty, yeah, pretty there's pretty a, lot on a lot there. of parks out there. Let's face it. Well, I mean, <laughs> but he obviously picked the wrong Park because this Park was off. Was going back to Korea to do his military service. I mean, he's, not not he's, that now, he's got out of it. I know he's got out of it, but and
0: we, we had didn't to know pay that. them an extra three million pounds as a result. Yeah. Well played, Ivan Gazidis. Well played. So, three three million million pounds you're joking me?
4: No, um, true story. Who said that? So it was, a f- it was over all the papers. The part cost us four million pounds in total.
0: Uh, well, an extra three million pounds. So he, a, cost no, he, he cost seven.
4: Uh, you no, know, he cost seven altogether. He cost to buy, it was one million pounds to buy, wasn't Two it? Bar, yeah. So that yeah. was. Just, but the extra three million pounds is three times what he cost. We'd better get him to sell a few more DVDs to pay for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I now believe the conspiracy theory. Yeah. I thought Chris was thinking, Chris, why write him with that? It's nice to get emails, don't get me wrong. I love the emails. But I'm thinking, flip, like, oh, come on, Chris. I don't believe that and that's for financial fair play but it's quite a point we might be playing
1: we might be playing by those financial fair play rules but Chelsea Man City and countless other clubs won't be
2: and they'll get away with it and David Dean said the the same thing yeah yeah, yeah. David Dean said the same thing he said "Um, I don't quite see how they're going to enforce it he he used the analogy of a traffic light and you know saying you have to have a policeman there to make sure that people stop I mean, it well, kind of lost at me it. at this point, but you know. Well, look at are saying 400
1: million to sponsor yes. the Etihad, mm. and when it's the, the guy that owns Etihad is Sheikh Mansour's brother. Mm. I mean, if that, I mean, when the naming rights for a stadium go for about 50 million, if you're lucky,
2: mm. they get 400 million for that. I mean.
1: That's, that's doping, isn't
2: it? There's going to be a lot of creative accounting going on. No Unfortunately, knowing that, Keith
0: Edelman, I think we got paid a colossal £8 for, from Emirates for naming the stadium after their company. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking at other other things, kind of off the field, but very, very important to our club. Um, Mark, our new home kit, yes. which has very, very peculiar dark midnight navy blue mm. hoops on the, on the sleeves... Are you going to buy one or like most Arsenal
4: fans are you saying what the fuck hell is going on with that? No, I think the 92-93 kit had a similar blue stripe didn't it? Actually oh, for yeah. memory. The Good. only thing I didn't particularly like is the um, blue collar. But having I've seen a lot worse Arsenal strips than that. Should be a V-neck. No, I like the round neck but yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a round neck guy. But um, I do, no, as kits go, it's not disastrous. Um, I think the hoops are too, are too big. I'm more concerned with what I've seen on the interweb the away kit for next season oh the Dennis Manishers the maroon and um, black stripes or whatever it is that to me is a lot more disconcerting than the home kit which I think is alright actually what's the point of having an away kit that's got red in it Uh, well I agree
0: well in fairness Chelsea had a blue away kit for a couple of years yeah and every time time they wore it it, you didn't know
1: whether it was Chelsea or the home team yeah absolutely and I thought Chelsea were cheating by doing that because it creates confusion amongst the home team (laughs) Uh, who are we passing to here we've all got blue shirts on and there could be an element of that in that with us. Mm. If we turn up with a red and black hoop and we're playing Liverpool away, you know. But it's more there could be an element that, of that. I mean,
4: the US no. Corsairs a yeah. really bad. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really great it for the listeners it's there. It's, it's a very <laughs> gray, dark it's red more, and blue. a good than red. I can't watch it
2: in black and white. <laughs> yeah, more yeah. But, but so as yeah. long as we don't get grey, you know, because we don't want to be like Ferguson. You know, mem- remember when they had those grey kits and they lost Southampton and they used... The kit as an excuse, the away kit. Mm. As is as it, as it just is. me
4: that like likes a new home, I home think, kit?
2: I think people
1: should put this, these these current kits in perspective, mm. because if you go back to the nineties, the ninety one, ninety two shirt, the ninety ninety one shirt, which was all a mishmash of different reds thrown in there, like broken glass. You know? Yeah, yeah. It? I love that. The, the squashed wasp <laughs> away kit. And then, yeah. but as, as as Mark says, the ninety two, ninety three kit with the blue V's up the up the sleeve. I mean, we we've had all sorts of horrendous designs over the years, and just because we've got a red hoop across the white sleeve I mean how bad is that I mean we, it could be an Adidas kit with fucking great big three stripes everywhere <laughs> the socks yeah. shorts front sleeves and the worst thing about those Adidas kit so you have three stripes down the sleeve then you have a little break for the Champions League pennant or the Premier League logo thing yeah. then the stripes continue again yeah. if you buy the kit without those things on it you've got a bloody great gap there between the stripes so
3: out of the fibres. horrible hate Adidas kits who will buy it Everyone will buy it. I'll
2: buy five of us, will all
0: from
3: it? My own will oh, I have I, I haven't bought a kit since I was 14. I, so I, I suppose, yeah, you got to put it in context. How, might, might, how many people currently buy the retro shirts? Well, the I, buy shirt. the,
1: I buy the leisure shirts now because I don't like huge, great fly emirates everywhere. i rather it was a bit mm. smaller.
3: <laughs> but if I was still buying kits, I'd buy it. wouldn't have a problem with it. But I think there's not more, more people moving away from the kits now. Mm. Uh, to
2: the retro ones To no, the retro, retro ones or the leisure yeah, ones, like yeah, yeah. Steve. I
3: mean, I certainly do, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've bought, I bought this year's because it was kind of a, an anniversary one. I bought the last one at Highbury. But those are the only two home kits I've bought in probably the last 10 years. Which
4: is probably well the club now change it every season to make up that lost yeah, revenue. Because, because, they're, because they're, selling they're, it, high... they're selling it overseas. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know,
3: mm. they, they really don't care. So mm. um, they don't care who they're selling it to, do they? So
4: yeah. I think it could be a lot worse, a kit. When you've got other t shirts. Have we seen Liverpool's new home kit? It is magnificent. It's it. really nice. It is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. they've got a brand new kit maker, some guys from the States. So obviously the listeners have gone into the check it out there oh, but, but what a kit awesome, but you know we're not getting into an Alan Davis type scenario all the Liverpool uh-huh. fans are up in arms by it why? So they've changed some Hillsborough crest around and put it on the back like the crest is brilliant it's the old
1: 1980s crest fans all are it is is the liver so bird so what's so great about it,
4: it. No, I mean the kit it just looks classic <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really nice awesome. classic yeah. it's a Liverpool mm. yeah.
1: it's got a collar it's red satin dark yeah. red satin you know like the old 80s Liverpool none of this mm-hmm. scarlet stuff and as Mark says the badges are utterly brilliant it's just a yellow liver bird none of this fucking gates and wreaths and irons and god knows what else yeah it sounds classy really nice
4: that's what great, great for an um, audio podcast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, crock, that's already uh,
0: justice for the Guna podcast five. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, dear. I don't see your Twitter feed after this. Seriously, if anyone asks, I, I, I don't live in Hackney anymore. Um, it, it was a nice way of asking the question, but I'm sure it would be one of a million questions asked this summer, because at that time of the year, when it's time for the annual Guna survey, uh, Mike? Anything that you want to tell us about this year's survey?
3: Yeah, well, the survey this year, um, people that buy the fanzine may have noticed it wasn't in the last issue, which is the first time we've not put it in the, in, in the fanzine itself. Uh, the survey's got bigger and bigger. It's, it, we started in 1989. It's been going every year ever since. Um, but it will be online, um, certainly by the time you're listening to this podcast. There's about 60-odd questions, so oh dear, awesome. don't, don't sit down and think you're going to go race through them in five minutes, because you probably won't. Get a beer like we've done tonight, mm-hmm. and, um, and you'll probably need something even stronger than that if you're going to have to think about the last nine months. And uh, we ask all, this, all the normal questions, play of the year that we've discussed tonight, um, best goals, uh, the kick questions in there, and lots of more. And you can even tell us what you think of the podcast. Do you It'd get a nice. prize
4: for um, entering, Mike, gear. Yeah. And you do. And yeah. that's,
3: that's very well worded, that. Good, good. <laughs> you get to be a guest, <laughs> be a guest on a future you, podcast. You get to be a guest on a future <laughs> podcast. Well, that's maybe a, maybe a random prize. We can, <laughs> be better we can than think about if expect. anyone's yeah, actually yeah. interested. Like
2: punishment. like um, <laughs> yeah. But, but
3: you, you do get to win. One person will get to all at random to win the new home shirt. Ooh, oh did almost yeah, yeah. What in, a great yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, If I could get Jew Young Park, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, gents, that is your lot for this evening. Fine. And indeed, isn't that really? Oh okay, right. We'll play we'll play with three, yeah, we'll play with three minutes. Okay, okay, we've got let's one more email. On. This is from Carter Miller, um who says, Hello Hello gentlemen of the podcast. Let me start off by saying thank you. As, what, as, an American, <laughs> as an American gooner of oh. 12 plus years, I very I the accent? God, on on. I very much appreciate the work that you do. He's not why, Irish. <laughs> While the television coverage of matches has steadily and thankfully been increasing during my time supporting our club. We're still a long way off from soccer being mainstream here in the States. And it's difficult to find in-depth analysis and generally good conversation about the Arsenal. Podcasts such as yours and our blog play a huge role in enriching and informing the love I have for our team. Many thanks. Paraphrase it, Dave. So I've, got, I've, I've, I've got a very long paragraph to read, Carter. Many thanks in advance. Anyway, you were just fuck you. You you were discussing the mercenary nature. That's what you, Carter, by the way. That's nice. no. no I, I was flicking the fingers at Mark. You, you, would, you guys were discussing the mercenary nature of modern footballers, a totally valid observation, and someone on the panel said it was only Dennis Bergkamp's fear of flying that kept him at the club. Without that, he would have left the Arsenal in a heartbeat. Maybe I'm a bit idealistic here, but I just can't accept that without comment. Bergkamp is a bit of a hero for me, and the only long-serving gunner in my time to retire from the club rather than move on and watch their career dwindle elsewhere. One of my prized possessions is a DB10 home kit from our last year at Highbury and his last year with us. I can't help but feel it tarnishes his reputation and what he gave for the club to say that it was simply a matter that other teams wouldn't touch him. He seems to be a character who generally feels attachment to the clubs he plays for. His coaching role at Ajax backs this theory up. As I said, maybe it's naive of me, but if so, please let me continue to be naive. He was a wonderful servant for the club and did so much to bring our club forward. Maybe, just maybe, he felt a little bit of that as well. In an age when so many talented, but f- you did write a lot, Carter. It's, in an age when so many p- talented players go where the money is or where the trophies are, a player who sees out his contract, especially a player who continues to sign rolling one-year deals at Arsenal, should be lauded. Are we so cynical that we can't just accept his motivation to stay with the club was genuine?
1: I hope not. Thoughts, on that. <laughs> My thought on that is, I can give you the addresses of some very good porn sites, if you like. <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will take your mind off Dennis. <laughs> what an end to the podcast, yeah. though. Very long email, but I love the sentiment, and it's great to finish the season off with memories of the great man. I don't, so, I don't think any of us have them.
0: any bad point with regard to Dennis Bergkamp, do we? Mike, surely, he is in most
3: people's all time Arsenal teams. Oh god, yeah, of course. I mean he's a legend and he's not known as God for
2: nothing. But were there many many clubs after him though when he when he was at Arsenal? I mean how many, how many clubs I mean I've never seen you know compared to other mm. players mm. You're, you're always seeing these mm. bids going in the imaginary bids let's face it some of them are imaginary but with Bergkamp I just don't remember it I so don't be- remember that speculation you know like you get we had it with Henry year after year after yeah, year I mean, and, and with a lot um, of Fabregas how many years did that go on for I mean and then eventually they did leave but with Bergkamp he was sort of washed up when we picked him up, when it, he was from Italy, wasn't he? It? He had to come to Milan. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. And, and he came in and, and he didn't do well immediately. It took a little while. I, I mean, I thought he was a great player from the start, I've got to be honest. Um, but everyone was telling me, no, no, he's, he's just he's useless.
1: I think, I think the non flying element is a part of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, but I also think that when we signed Bergkamp, he was like 28, 29. 26, mm-hmm. we said. 20,
4: 20,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so by the time he became a truly world class player mm-hmm. with us, I think he was a little bit too old to be kind of coveted by Mm -hmm. the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona. The clubs that he would have gone to if he was maybe 24, 25. Um, But having said that, I'm so glad he did stay. He was a brilliant player.
0: Right. That is your lot for this evening. And indeed, this season. We will be back with our next edition at some point in August once there is something, or indeed anything, to discuss. In the meantime, if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast... The address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And our thanks, as ever, to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. I hope you have an enjoyable summer. I'm your host, David Ido, saying goodbye and thank you for listening. La-di-da-di-da,
2: la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and
0: jolly good company. Hurrah!